Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello again and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Each episode, we cover an aspect of sex that impacts your sex life and something that you can relate to. So if you find our discussions helpful, please give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love it if you would tell a friend about us. You can find us also on the web at foreplayrst.com. And if you have a comment or a topic that you'd like us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Please send them to us at info at foreplayrst.com. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. So today we've got a mailbox edition. Thank you so much. We love to take these too. Please send us your questions or comments or things you, you know, situations. And Adam and I love to talk about that kind of yeah, stuff. We do. Yeah. Okay. Today, do you want to read it or shall I read it? You read it. You, well, I'll read it. You, what we do, I, one of each. Okay. I'm a 39-year-old divorced female with two kids. They're older children. I have only been with a few partners in my life. I'm insecure with my abilities, which causes me to be too anxious to let my inhibitions go. One other thing, I have never experienced the big O. Okay, so I recently started seeing a 43-year-old divorced gentleman with no children. We have sex every time we see each other. He has never been able to orgasm either. At first, because of my own insecurity, I thought that he wasn't interested in me and that I didn't do the right things to satisfy him. How can you help us? Okay, awesome. Great questions. All right. So where, Lori, would you start? Several things that stand out mm-hmm. for this couple right away. But where would mm-hmm. you where would you start? What are the questions you would want to ask? Yeah, I think that you're right. There's a lot of things going on here. So it's not just an easy answer. Yeah. And that's what I first like people to think about is how do you delineate a complex problem into bite-sized pieces so you can kind of resolve all of them? I mean, the first one is, first of all, I would say, honestly, I don't think it's experience that is that important to being a good lover. 
I mean, I really think that it's listening and being able to tune in to another. That is the key skill that makes you a good lover, whether you've been with one person or 30 people. If if you can't do that, you cannot be good in bed. Yeah, because she's putting a lot of stock into her experience, right? And that she's only been with four guys and that um, she's insecure in those abilities because of that. Yeah, and I, I just... You know, I sit with people who are very experienced and who can't please their partners. Mm. And that's because they're not listening or they really don't understand anatomy. And, you know, I think especially men who are very experienced, but they really don't know how a woman climaxes, you know, then they they can't make it happen for her. And and I obviously I think women are responsible for their own climaxes, too. But. But in general, a little bit of anatomy and physiology is helpful. Sure. As well as. Um, being able to really kind of get into the moment with the person, feel what they're feeling, be with them. I I think that that is not necessarily learned, you know, through multiple partners. That's my own take. So experience may be a little bit overrated. Yeah. What you're saying. I mean, yeah. Yeah, because every every person is different. So even if you've been with a lot of people and have experience, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, then the person that you're with currently, there's going to be a whole new experience. It's a, right? it's a whole new thing, too, yeah. a whole new gig. Yeah, because <laughs> how, how you guys work together, what what makes you tick, what makes sex hot for you is going to be different than what right. than your last partner. Right, and it takes a lot of courage to tell each other that. I, I oh, would yeah. say, you know, people ask me all the time as a sex therapist, what, what really makes it hot? And it's like, you know, I can tell you what makes it hot for me <laughs> after a couple glasses of wine, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> not, not in the first session. No, I don't tell you don't anybody go, in you, session you don't what go, makes you, it hot for you me. You don't go into your personal sex life in the first session? <laughs> no, session? I, on, I never go into my personal sex life <laughs> in session. But, I mean, you know, for them, what makes it hot is they have to be able to have courage to talk about that, to yeah. reveal that part of themselves. And that is the erotic self, right? Mm. Being unashamed of the erotic self. So and that's being, the first being thing. Being connected to that. Yeah. I think the other thing that I was thinking about was do you – this may be a little bit off for these mm-hmm. for this couple, but I feel like it's relevant because she's experienced. Do you encourage people to talk about their experiences with their previous partners? That That's a good question. I mean, I can't imagine personally – that that wouldn't be important. Okay. I mean, talking about not necessarily the numbers, but I mean, certainly I think if you've been with a lot of partners, your partner needs to know that because it does increase your risk for STDs, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's some need for revealing, yeah, I've, you know, I've been with a lot of partners so that they can assess their own risk. But I think it's probably interesting to know what turned on a partner, right? Mm-hmm. I think people could find that sexy and could find that arousing to kind of hear about that. I think other people that I've worked with find that that's really scary and threatening. Yeah. And it's like, oh, great, you got really turned on by this person. And and then it invokes this jealousy. So I, I think you have to yeah. be sensitive to your partner. Whether there's whether there's insecurity there. I was also thinking on – you're mentioning kind of the positive sides of that. I'm also thinking, mm-hmm. too, of just – it, were there negative experiences? Like in this case, did one of her previous partners tell her that she was inexperienced? Yeah, or so no or, good in bed. Or no good in bed, yeah. yeah so absolutely. Then, so then knowing that, he might be able to really um, reassure, her. reassure her, make it a little uh, more safe for her, make it a little more increase her confidence mm-hmm. in her ability that may have been taken away from a, by another partner, whether that partner was intentional or not intentional yeah. about making her question mm-hmm. her own ability. So I think to me that might be something if there was something like that, 
about certainly being, trauma from yeah, our past. Well, sexual trauma, trauma yeah. needs to be revealed. Yeah. Yeah. But it might be beneficial for this woman in particular because if it feeds into insecurities for her mm-hmm. getting it out there and you know, them being able to talk about it might be beneficial for her. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, good point. I, I had a patient this week, too, as well, who was really insecure, a female patient, you know, just about her ability to touch and arouse her guy. I think he was a little bit older and struggling with some ED. And her experience was, you know, I touch him and he doesn't really get an erection quickly. Mm. So I don't think I'm doing it right. And so it's really discouraging. I'm like, well, you know, he might need longer touch. Yeah. I and mean, that's just that's just normal Personal. at a certain age. Yeah. So the, her expectations were a little bit off about what would exactly what happen. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Expectations are, are huge, I think, as and well. I, yeah. And I think our expectations that change as we age and go through different developmental periods. I mean, you know, the family, right, with young children, mm. three small babies. Yeah, right. You know, y'all are having sex like six times a week, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's totally true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, developmentally, there's just so much energy to go around at different phases in our life. And I think as we age, there are certain things that yeah. change. And I think people want to have the experience that they had when they were young yeah. all the time. Yeah. And they think that's normal. And it's not, of course. Yeah. And so the expectations get out of whack. And so something that could be totally normal yeah. becomes really disappointing because your expectations are yes. set kind of at the wrong yes. place. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so back to this woman. So she's insecure about letting her own ambitions go, and she hasn't experienced the big O. At another point in this letter, she also talks about that she gets high arousal, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't let go. And and my question for her would be, have you ever been able to let go by yourself? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people say, I can't have an orgasm. And what they mean is, I can't have it in the presence of my partner or... I can't have it with intercourse. So I don't know yet here if she means I can't have it with intercourse, which mm-hmm. we talk over and over again about most women can't. Right. You know, 15% of women can, but most can't. So the question is whether she's ever experienced it at all by right. herself with uh, with other people right. or with her current partner just so to know where it's happening, right? Yeah, and if she if she truly is anorgasmic, so she's never had an orgasm herself, mm-hmm. I, I do think kind of the optimal way to learn that is by yourself because there's not as much pressure. Yeah. You know, your partner won't be disappointed. You can kind of learn your body, although learning your body is a different touch than somebody touching you because it's a little like trying to tickle yourself. I mean, masturbation can be really stimulating, but it might not be. And that's one of the things I hear women report, which I think is different than a male experience. But women say, I don't feel as aroused when I touch myself as when my partner touches me. It's like, well, yeah, because it's it's a whole different thing. Yeah. So, but here though, when she's saying she has trouble letting her inhibitions go, would that lead you more toward she possibly can have an orgasm, but by the in, herself, by herself yeah. and the inhibitions uh-huh. with her partner are. She feels like she needs to be in control. Yeah. You know, I think when most people orgasm too, they, you know, they are out of control for a minute, right? Their mm-hmm. face contorts, grimaces, mm-hmm. you know, their body can stiffen. They, I think women really worry about being attractive. You know, like, gosh, if I'm squinching up my face, you know, what does he think of that? He, he's, you know, he's going to think I look ugly or. Yeah. You know, they can't let go. Yeah. Um, they try to control it all. And then they don't just go with what their body's doing. 
Yeah. That's another reason why you go toward can they have one by themselves because then that's knowledge of what your body's doing, the ability to respond, you know, to your body's cues. Yeah, uh, and right, just and, to ride the uh, wave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I mean, I think there's other reasons women feel out of control. I mean, she hasn't said really how long she's been with her partner here. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's a relatively new relationship. And so, you know, maybe with a partner of a longer time, she has less difficulty with control. But in the beginning, she controls it. Yeah. So, But she says, I've never experienced the big O. So, of course, for her, we want you to try by yourself. You know, as a woman, you have to click on to erotic thoughts. You can't just stimulate yourself and think you're going to reach orgasm. You mm-hmm. have to have some sort of imagination going on, imagining maybe the next time you're with him or mm-hmm. the last time you were with him or something so that you have mind content that is sexy. Does that bleed over then into sex with her partner? Is she able to use that, those kind of mental, yeah. men, whatever she's clicking on to mentally to then continue, of, use that right. as a cue to be uh-huh. able to relax? Exactly. or mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of women use fantasy, as do men, to kind of heighten arousal and you know, definitely maybe another podcast to yeah. talk about how they do that. But certainly if she can find a favorite thought or a favorite scenario that makes her aroused, mm-hmm. that's a good thing to dwell on. Yeah. <laughs> and use a vibrator. <laughs> that's go. another good thing to try. <laughs> <laughs> Get so there just quicker. Just getting, getting yeah. help in any way you can to exactly. figure out how to do that. Yeah, the first one, you got to have the first one. And then, then after that, it's easy. Gotcha. You know, but once you have one, you're good. So you're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with... Your sex therapist, Lori Watson, and author of Wanting Sex Again, and our couples therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Wanting Sex Again, How to Rediscover Desire and Heal a Sexless Marriage by Certified Sex Therapist Lori Watson. Each chapter is designed to fix one of the problems that cause low libido from early marriage through the childbearing years, even all the way through menopause. I've also had men read it and tell me that for them, it was the most hopeful thing they read about resolving sexual problems. Look for Wanting Sex Again on Amazon.com. You can also talk to Lori Watson for therapy in person or via Skype. I offer couples counseling and sex therapy, and I think about both aspects of the relationship, emotional intimacy and sexual technique and that combination together helps marriages be happy improve your sex and improve your relationship with awakening center for couples and intimacy find out more at awakenloveandsex.com and sign up for their next couples retreat weekend hosted by Lori watson awakenloveandsex.com awaken what's possible It is one of my great joys in life to be able to really help 
individuals and couples find strength in their relationships and really find hope again. Licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews from Matthews Counseling. I work with a wide variety of issues, including depression and anxiety, marital issues, issues with adolescence. I believe that therapy should be designed around you, that it should be personalized to who you are and to your unique situation. Therapy is available in office, online, and by phone. I want therapy to be comfortable for everyone. At our office, you'll find that we sit around a fireplace in deep, comfortable chairs, look at the problem differently, and offer practical solutions for you to take home and utilize outside of the therapy room. Schedule today and rediscover hope. You can find me on the web at matthewscounseling.net. Matthews with one T. You can contact us through email or phone and find a lot of resources on our website, matthewscounseling.net. Okay, we're back with Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy, sex therapist Lori Watson, and couples therapist Dr. Adam Matthews. And we're doing our mailbox edition. Thanks again for the write-in. And we're talking about a woman who's 39 seeing a 43-year-old male. And they are going at it. They say they have sex every time they see each other. Good for you guys. But he's not able to orgasm either. She's not able to orgasm, and he's not able to orgasm. Yeah. So... How often would you say that's the case, Lori, that uh, couples that you see where they both are unable to orgasm? is that Not a, as often with both, but yeah. I, I would say there's definitely like – it seems like about 25% of our practice is women who can't orgasm. And, you know, that's like a one or two session fix. It's so yeah. easy. But for men to not orgasm, that used to be a rare thing, and now it's so much more common yeah. because of pornography, really, I think. Yeah. That, you know, they look at porn and it's so exciting. They look at multiple images and then sex with a partner, one solo partner is just not as thrilling. And so they can't get that heightened yeah. part that pushes them over the edge. So that might be a question for this couple in particular is is how how much porn is he looking at? Yeah. Right? And I, I think she does identify it yeah. at some point that he does look at porn and she's wondering if that has an impact. And yeah. of course, I think it does. You know, I think it's essentially sometimes men with porn sort of seem to become more visually oriented than they are sensually oriented. So yeah. to relax into the actual moment, they have some difficulty climaxing. But if he has difficulty climaxing, I think there's still workarounds. One might be to say, okay, you know, how do you get there and have him show her mm. or to hold him in bed while he's masturbating himself. Somehow or another, people don't like that suggestion. I think it's because they think of masturbation as really private. But when two people are making love, I think it doesn't matter whose hands are doing what, Yeah, you know, as long as, you know, that gives them another experience of being together. Yeah, and that still can be produce intimacy and produce yeah. closeness and produce yeah. connection. And All release, that you, want. you know, yeah. and you're releasing in front of your partner with your partner. So there's that great boost of oxytocin that's released mm. and you feel that connection and that bonding. And that's probably going to continue to drive their ability to orgasm together later on. And I think that's yeah. a lot a lot of people don't think exactly. is that they, they feel like it's a slap on the wrist to go back. They feel like it's going backwards, mm-hmm. right? Or it's not completely fulfilling what they want sexually. But by releasing that, they're taking a lot of pressure off the actual act of intercourse, right? right. They're still fostering connection that they need to be able to 
do that later, and, which, and is, which is such a key. And I love what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're fostering connection by being flexible about how they get there. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's like one thing, you know, builds on the other. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I can't, and I don't think you can discount that really. That can be very sustaining, especially mm-hmm. later in the relationship. If there are medical issues or if there's something that goes on, a bigger crisis Mm-hmm. Later on down the road, like being able to be open and foster that connection is going to see them through a lot of difficulties yeah. in their relationship that are going to come down the road. So in a lot for of ways, all of us, for I, all mean, of us. I, yeah, I think, you know, people don't realize how many twists and turns the sex life takes. And it yeah. just does. I, I had this one patient and she looked just like Aunt B. I I mean, she was the uh-huh. classic Southern woman buttoned up, you know, yeah. could have been the church lady. And, you know, and she's like, I love sex. I love. She was not an open person about this, except in the room. And she's yeah. like, "I really love sex. I love my husband, and we have sex five times a week. And that's because wow. I want it that often." And she was, you know, she was probably in her early fifties. And then she reveals to me basically, her husband has prostate cancer, you know, mm. and he can't have erections, and she's going through loss. And everybody has sexual problems. At and some nobody, point. She, they they could never have predicted that, right? No, I mean, they would never would have no. predicted that when they got together. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And but, so, I mean, there's twists and turns for all of us. Yeah. Even people who have great erotic lives experience yeah. different things. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody is immune to these problems. So with this gentleman, does his age at 43, is there any concern there? I, mean, I, I would have no concerns Yeah. at 43 with his erectile issues. I, I mean, he's not having erection problems either. He's just having orgasm problems. Yeah. That's not physiology. That's not... I don't see it as that, especially at 43, and given that I know he uses porn, it's not that. You know, very, very, very seldom would an ejaculation problem be physiological, like, you know, a tumor or a kidney stone or, you know, something that would actually block an erection. But there would probably be other things associated, like, with that. You would see other symptoms. Like pain and blood in the urine, all those kinds of things. Of course, you want to go straight to the doctor. But these are probably more sex therapist kinds of things to talk about. So, I mean, one thing I would ask him, you know, would you back off porn for a little bit and let's see if you can be sort of more sensitized again to touch. And Mm -hmm. it's like if you have to store all that up and you're not ejaculating every day, you know, it's probably easier to to have some buildup and some pressure about when you're with your partner. Yeah. And I think we've talked a lot about this before. So because I think a lot of men for some reason, it's a disconnect that porn is affecting their sex life, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it seems like it w- would enhance their sex life. Why would looking at porn hold them back from having sex with a person when it's readily available? So, you know, give us the quick hits. What do you think are the, the I know we had one specifically on pornography, so yeah, go back and look did. at that mm-hmm. if you if you haven't listened to that. Yeah, we have for a podcast so, on that. For some of that, but, but really what we're talking is about is that just desensitization, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of reducing the response that happens when you're with a live person versus when you're looking at a screen. Right. And and the fact, I mean, most men, when they look at porn, they don't look at one scenario, right? They right. look at multiple scenarios, which kind of builds up the dopamine in their brain. And it's so exciting. And I think it is hard for partner sex to compare to that. And I, I understand some men look at porn because their partner's are not exciting at all yeah. and won't participate in. I mean, there's this is a complex, complex issue. Yeah, absolutely. But I think when you have a partner who's saying, "Hey, I, I want more from you, I want more sexually from you," and the man is then saying, I, "I need this thing that's autonomous," but then he doesn't have as much desire, or he can't ejaculate as fast, mm. or some men like 
it slows ejaculation. So they have to, you know, they're having intercourse for 30 minutes, which is literally too much for her and is is not good for her tissue. So that I think you need to adjust and you need to think about, okay, how is this impacting my sex life and what can I do about it? She also says the one main last point, you know, I thought he wasn't interested in me and that I didn't do the right things to satisfy him. And it sounds like this is a relatively new sexual relationship that Mm -hmm. they can't talk about that. Like, you know, why you wouldn't say, hey, you know, what makes it great for you and how do I touch you and all of those questions, I think. Or to even ask these the difficult questions that she's asking here. Is this an interest thing? Are you, yeah. you know, to even vocalize? I think couples don't vocalize their fears enough mm-hmm. because they're afraid of what it might mean of the answer that right. they might get. Right. And I think in a committed coupleship, it's so scary mm-hmm. to imagine hearing, right, I'm just not attracted to you or mm-hmm. I, ah. Oh. You know, that, that's a difficult one yeah. and certainly one that we deal with, right? But it's a tough one. And so they are afraid. They're fear-driven. Mm-hmm. But usually that's not the answer. I would say 90% of the time it's like, no, no, I, I'm into you. I didn't realize you needed more reassurance. I, what yeah. you're doing is great. It's all great. Just keep doing it. Yeah. You know, but maybe they're not vocal enough so their partner doesn't know that yeah. they're, they're pleasing them. I think everybody goes to, it's got to be something wrong with me. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, it's, and both people are usually saying that well, at the same time. No, you know? I would say a, a lot of people go to that, Adam, but unfortunately there are other people, right, that are more narcissistic that go to, there's got to be something wrong with you. Oh, possibly. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're not responsive to my great sexy act here. You know, what's wrong with you, right? Yeah, you well, know? sure. Yeah, I mean, I think people do that. I think that there's a surface level fear of that. The surface level is it's you, it's you, it's you. Mm -hmm. And then, but a lot of times when we dig a little bit, Mm -hmm. there's a root fear. I think more is what, that's more what I mean, that there's a root fear. Even in narcissism, the root is the fragile self, right? right. That if I stop blaming you, it's going to turn around that I'm actually inadequate. So, you know, best defense is a good offense kind of strategy that they have, right? But I think we say both like, vocalizing those, especially when you can, or it's going to build trust, it's going to build intimacy, and it's going to allow you to kind of move forward and know maybe it's something super simple that's the fix for, particularly for this issue, if you were able to kind of vocalize some of that stuff. And and I remember specifically treating a man who could not climax with his girlfriend. And Mm. actually, after they married and they'd been together for a few years, she was totally calm about it. She's like, whoa, you know, how can you climax? Well, let's do that. I mean, Mm -hmm. she was just wide open to it. And, you know, his like being reassured that she was open to his particular variety made him less anxious. And -hmm. because anxiety was what was kind of holding him back on being able to climax inside her intravaginally. So Mm -hmm. once they were married and settled for, you know, it was, I think, nine months, he was fine. Yeah. He was able to do it. And I'm not saying marriage is a cure, but I think length of time together and commitment and assurance from your partner that. That's really great. I think there is a something about the commitment, though, mm-hmm. right? There was a, a study recently about how people slept, a sleep study with couples, and couples that felt like they were in a – that rated their commitment in their relationship high, they slept better at night, ah. right? Their quality of sleep was much better. 
And I think, you know, I'm speculating here. I don't mm-hmm. have evidence for it. But I would imagine that the same is true for sex life, that there's some level of being able to be open, share these types of fears. I think that is the goal sure. is that in a commitment that would happen. There are studies that I know of that say frequency is better for married couples, even though mm-hmm. we think, you know, single people are just having it all the time and it's so hot. Actually, the frequency statistically is better for married couples. But I think the, the dread... The fear is that if you're committed and if you're a coupleship, sex is going to go downhill, which is what foreplay is all about here. That's right. We are trying to help committed couples keep it hot. And thank you for listening. You can find us on the web at foreplayrst.com and on Twitter and Stitcher. And please rate us and review us. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. 